Chris, dos uno. We're not scaping. Uh, welcome Jesus. to <laughs> to the 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 thirsty. No, we're not. Uh, we're not. We are not. We are not not scaping. FBI um, Kevin, if you're listening, we're not doing that. I promise you. We are. We are not doing the FBI Kevin. Kevin Whalen, if you're listening, we are doing that. Uh, oh, Brian. Brian. Uh, oh, Brian Whalen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Brian Whalen. Uh, and if you're if you're Spencer Smith, you um, are a you fucking can, uh, pussy. Yes, you can go sit and spin, sir. Sit and spin. Uh, because uh, you 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 contribute nothing to society. Anyway, uh, how how is how's everybody doing? Uh, it is it is the thirsty Thursday has come around and come back. Uh, we've done the boomerang here, and wow, we went full circle. Um, it is it is uh, in the in the pre show that we were talking about nine eleven uh, again. That that's something that I don't know just burned into my brain again. I didn't you know lose anybody directly or anything of the sort but you know i think i think it is interesting every year i make a point on 9-11 to uh relive as much of that in of history as possible because it it did have such a distinct i don't know it was such a distinct uh uh realization of of the the reality of the world that i live in right and um at 15 it was it was that moment where i i I, the, the darkness of the world show shone a little bit brighter and the brightness of the world shone a little bit brighter simultaneously. And it was a, it's a, it's a strange sensation. I don't think I'll ever be able to shake. And uh, so anyway, just a, a quick, a quick shout out and in, in memory of, of all those that uh, survived and didn't survive, especially those that, that died and, and uh, especially those that gave their life, uh, whether, whether it be through war or the events of that day or, or, you know, if you were if you were there and you ended up, you know, catching cancer, I mean, it's it's taken so many lives, and uh, I don't know, it is just it is it is incredibly touching. All of it is is just incredibly touching. Anyway, uh, enough enough of the darkness out of the way. Speaking of light, we are going to be taking people's uh, questions today, and we we kind of like it right now where we are taking questions from the chat. So we're going to ask you to ask your question in the chat. Uh, our a trusty producer here, Jay Pink. Can we get a round of applause for Jay Pink real quick for uh, uh, keeping this together? Because it's it's pretty amazing that uh, as y'all provide questions, uh, you can't see on our screens. We have a running log of, uh, of of questions that we can revisit and and know exactly where we are the entirety of the time. And it just it keeps things nice and tidy and uh, organized and, and neat for us to be able be able to do it this way. And I, I like it. Uh, we can be a little bit more rapid fire with it. So to speak, too. Uh, with <laughs> J Pink just said uh, STFU on our screens. You can't see that, but uh, but we can, and uh, you know, and we can't. It's it's, it's him, it's him being humble, Sorry. and uh, so you know what, I uh, it, 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 take it and enjoy it, J Pink. You deserve it. Okay, that's that's all there is to it. Um, let me pull this up. I'm, I do want to pull this screen up because uh, it gives me um a little bit a little bit more information as far as what's going on uh real quick i was gonna see if i have heard anything going on in uh in the in the uh the lawn care space as far as studies or whatever the only thing that i can think of that stuck out to me is um i took it the la- i looked at the label of sublime uh herbicide the other day and uh it is a mix of uh 24d tricopier and mesotrione i thought i thought that was an interesting little combination you know i'm sure Price per acre rolling your own would be way, way more feasible. Um, and, and a lot and better most, from an efficacy standpoint. Yeah, I would uh, I would argue to say yes, without a doubt. Uh, again, you know, going to fall into one of those categories like T-Zone or, uh, or Blindside. 
you know, these, these recycled existing AIs, they get, they get pounded together. And I just, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the pre-made jumbled together stuff. It's, it just doesn't excite me because I lose control over rates. Right. And, uh, and so it's just, I'm not a big fan of it. And I believe, uh, I think it was Dr. Cruiser that put out the, uh, the new, um, uh, what was it? A new that, yeah, like liquid that formulation, do, a liquid formulation of a new, um, I have not, I saw someone saying you need to take a look at the label. I have not looked at the label on that. Is there, what is tricky about it? If, if anybody know. knows, I haven't seen, uh, I'm curious. Like uh, I have, I haven't looked at it either. Uh, but I do know that there is a liquid formulation of a new, um, is that, is that going to make things, um, uh, a better or easier or more approachable? Pr- probably. Um, I, w- I would definitely argue. Yes. Um, I saw it's a 10% solution, you know, roughly a pound per gallon of AI. I, I do not recall what the rate of dry, dry weight rate was. Do you, do you know what that is off the top of your head? Was it, was it a pound per acre? Uh, uh the, wait, the rate for the, uh-huh. uh, dry product for, is, uh, eight, yeah. eight to 16. Yeah. Half a pound to a pound. Okay. So we're talking about a half gallon to a gallon. Is it, wait, surely it's not that much, right? Well, yeah, three ounces per thousand would be a gallon per acre. Or gallon per right? thousand, yeah, gallon per acre. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, half gallon to a gallon per acre. So that would be an ounce and a half, three ounces per per thousand on that that liquid product. Hypothetically, I'm I'm doing a lot of theoretical math in my head here. Double check that. Check the label. Ray, have you looked at the new liquid formulation of a new? I haven't. I haven't actually. Yeah. And I haven't and the either. thing is, is that. Uh, you know, for me, it all comes down to read the label. Simple. Just read the label and, uh, you know, go by their rate ranges. It's not hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, they added it to uh, the uh, the Greenkeeper app, too. So it is called a new easy, um, a, new, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new easy label. We'll, we'll pull this up real quick and see. See what it says. If anything good. Oh, plant growth regulator. Let's see how many things you have to click before you can get to the label. This isn't too bad. I'll say that New Farm has a, a pretty a pretty usable website. There are, there are certainly some uh, that are not as user friendly. Right, uh, right. As New Farm says, yeah, like trying to get to a label and on a on a Helena uh, product. Oh my god, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. You got to go so to CDMS. Is, and, you know, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's looking like we are at uh, actually so much lower rate. So eighteen to fifty four ounces per acre on uh, warm season. Cool season is going to be nine to twenty seven ounces per acre, depending on how to cut and all that fun stuff. Uh, greens and teas, obviously, you're going to see a little bit lower than that. So uh, definitely, definitely not uh, the uh, one and a half to three ounces that I said earlier. It's it's looking it's looking significantly less than that, right? So right, um, right, th- right. There you go. Hmm. Read the label. <laughs> Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, so like one of the things they they say here, and this could be you know where where you have to you have to be careful. So fairways, higher cut turf. So you have, um, uh, oh, I mean that's if you're trying to regulate a, a poa cultivar, poa annual, mm-hmm. poa trivialis. Mm-hmm. It's ultra low rate. Mm-hmm. Hell with that. Nobody's doing that. Not not in a home lawn setting. But if you have uh, bent grass, you know, we're talking about a quarter of an ounce uh, per per thousand square feet, 0. 0.2, right? You know, nine nine ounces per acre, kind of kind of sort of deal. 
Um, so, you know, I could see, I could see where it could be a little bit spicy on uh, on uh, Green's height, a common in hybrid Bermuda. You know, you're you're talking about a little less than a half ounce. You know, eighteen to thirty six ounces an acre. It's, I mean, that's manageable though. There's nothing about that that's crazy. Um, we'll check in on our questions here. It looks like they are starting to roll in. Again, if you have questions, throw them into the chat. Jay Pink will catalog them for us, and we will get to them as quickly as possible. Uh, bear with us a couple of things here that we are doing this live, right? We're, we're, we do not know what these questions are ahead of time. Uh, any kind of research we do, we are doing briskly and as quick as possible. Do understand that we are human. We are fallible. We do make mistakes. Anything we say uh, cannot and will not be used as in the court of law because we are telling you right now that we are human. We do make mistakes. Co-sign all of our bullshit with your own. And we've got a research. great lawyer too. We've got a great we do. We do. Yeah. We have we have multiple great lawyers. As a matter of fact, we That's have true. a law team, and uh, and we will we will fuck you up. As a matter of fact, uh, in fact, uh, one one of our our lead uh, legal counsel is uh, is ripped to the gills, and he will pinch your head off your neck. Well, he at least has the physical capacity oh, yeah. to be able to do that. He he may not because he's a nice guy, but uh, he he is he's a Ma- he's a Massachusetts boy, and uh, you know you know you know how they they roll around from the. South side of Boston there. I, they will pinch your head off your neck. Is he, I like smile. He's from the <laughs> south side of Boston, but I'm just, I'm going to pretend like <laughs> Why not? Why not, right? Anyway, <laughs> Stephen Meyer said, good germination on a, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, just fact check us, right? Uh, good germination on a recent oversee the Kentucky bluegrass. Can you recommend fall fertility going into winter with low pH loam soil? Uh... Yeah, I mean, if if that's all you're concerned with, uh, you know, between now and, and dormancy, I'm gonna ass- I'm gonna assume that you are going to be growing until Halloween. I don't know when that ends. That's just my guess. Uh, get down two pounds of nitrogen if you're low pH. I'd probably say from uh, from urea uh, between now and uh, and and uh, Halloween. You know, maybe maybe you extend that through uh, eleven fifteen. Maybe 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 you'll grow. You know, all the way to uh, to to uh, Thanksgiving. You know, maybe maybe from now th- till till eleven fifteen. You know, two two pounds of in from from urea. It's probably a little aggressive, but it is a grow in, and uh, so that's that's why I'm being a little aggressive. Where, where are y'all at on that? Yeah, I'd be looking. I, I if he's low pH, I'm not sure exactly where he's at. I'm going to guess he's probably somewhere further north and east. So he might grow a little bit longer. I'd say half a pound. Every two to three weeks, so get yourself out to if you're really pushing it, both on time and uh, frequency interval. Every two weeks, now through the middle of uh, November, get you at two and a half pounds. If you're half pound every two weeks, stretch that out a little bit and do one less out. No problem there either. So two two and a half pounds, push it push it uh, real good. I believe is how the tune went. Bump 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 bump. It's literally um, going to be stuck in your head all day tomorrow. Now it is you're gonna, again. You're going to get I, us know, a DMCA takedown, Matt. Singing like that's that. fine. Uh, because another one that needs to be remembered. <laughs> if and what I'm going to go ahead and blame this now. The terrorist that committed 9/11 ended up. Uh, it took that song off our off our airwaves, and it's not fair. Bring it back. We need we need push it uh, for a 24 hour uh, jamathon on on any any local radio station. I'm just going to get that out there. Uh, Jeff said, contemplating upgrading to my first real mower for my Kentucky bluegrass. Do I really need to have my lawn perfectly flat? What happens if I have bumps and dips? Uh, Jeff, let me tell you from my perspective, you're going to get different answers from all of us on this. Uh, I have a very bumpy, dippy yard, right? My backyard is just over a half acre. 
I've never put a, a anything of sand wise on it. I've never attempted to level it at all. Um, it is, uh, it is, it is as, as un- unfortunate as unfortunate could be when it comes to, uh, the, the, the unevenness of it, right. At, you know, point at a half inch to, to, uh, uh, you know, three quarters of an inch, which is typically what I cut my common Bermuda at. Um, I have no issues with a floating head on the John Deere 220. Uh, I don't now. It took a couple of cuts to learn, like, you know, if I've got an area where a corner, you know, may dig in or whatever, I may have to approach it at a little bit of a different angle. But, you know, typically by the second cut, I had that figured out and knew exactly what I had to do to make sure that didn't happen. Uh, so does it have to be perfectly flat? No. Is it going to make it probably a slightly more enjoyable experience? Sure. Uh, can you still get great aesthetics without it being perfectly flat? Yes. Uh, are you going to get better uh, aesthetics with it being perfectly flat? Yes. So, you know, your mileage may vary. It's totally up to you. How about that? Fair. I think fair enough. Uh, uh, you're going to see. Yeah, go ahead, Ray. Go. Okay. Uh, you know, what my what I think about real mowing is that that is exactly what I'd be doing to a lawn where the person grading or installing it did not know the definition of the word flat okay because my experience with real mowing is that at that three-quarter inch to half inch height of cut that is less likely to tear up a yard and leave an undesirable experience you know appearance versus if somebody were to try to say rotary mow that at an inch and a half or inch and three quarter because if somebody is thinking about using a rotary mower at less than, say, three or four inches of height, and the lawn is quote-unquote bumpy, uh, I make no promises about what that lawn is going to look like. So, yeah, I actually am a fanboy of real mowing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a to- it's a totally different aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. What, what were you going to say, uh, Demang? No, I was Didn't just going to say that that you're. It, that's a good way of putting it. It's totally different aesthetic, totally different way that it it pops, and also a totally different way that you can fuck it up. Um, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, I would just say that those dips and everything like that, as you get lower and lower, those imperfections are going to show themselves more and more. And are you okay with that? So, you want to invest in that? I don't know what you're maintaining it at right now, as far as height goes with a rotary i think you can get kentucky bluegrass to look pretty decent at inch and a half with a rotary uh and it's mm-hmm. very acceptable it's just a matter of that that aesthetic and then what you're willing to tolerate in terms of seeing all the pimples and warts and things with those dips and all that stuff so yeah and you know Ryan? like common bermuda for example you know common bermuda looks mm-hmm. wildly different at a half inch to three quarters of an inch right and in my opinion i much prefer the aesthetic of three quarter inch common bermuda than i do a half inch common bermuda and there are other people out there they're gonna like it the other way around it, it your, your flavor is your flavor it is what it is somebody said a patreon goal for me maintaining a putting yard in my backyard no i'm not gonna do that i don't have one i don't have the time to do that and uh and and two uh, I don't, I, I do, I do, I have a zero interest in doing that. I've, I've grown in all the greens I needed to do to get it out of my system with L93 bent grass. And I hated every minute of it. 
uh, especially when it's looking <laughs> really beautiful and then you come to work the next day and you see orange pythium in an area that you clearly missed with your sprayer and you just and you want to you want you want to go swim into the middle of a pond wearing a lead vest okay uh it's not a good feeling i don't i don't i don't want to relive it anymore okay i've done it i've done enough of it to to last a lifetime that's all there you go kids i think there you go i mean uh you know the whole thing about wheel cutting though is i look at it this way that is the best way in my opinion of getting a fine appearance at heights of cut under an inch and a half, you know, that's, that's what it's for to me. I mean, that's, uh, and then of course, if on the other hand, the objective is to keep it at that, you know, three inches or four inches, then the more appropriate, uh, machine for that is in fact a rotary mower. However, I'm going to be the first to say this. I don't like rotary mowers used under three inches. I don't. Makes the grass look like shit when that's done. <laughs> like I said, three people here, you'll get three different opinions. It is what it is. And, and ultimately, that's, that's up to you, Jeff, 100% to figure out what you like most. Uh, Mule Rider is in here, which is uh, also known as, uh, as Spencer Smith, our favorite uh, uh, we should rename Mule Rider to Dick Rider. Um, uh, and the <laughs> the uh, the, the Mule Dick, Dick Rider, Dick the racist Dick Rider, rider. Um, uh, the Mule Dick Rider. Uh, uh, anyway, glad glad you're here, Spencer. Go fuck yourself. Uh, the next one <laughs> here is from uh, Lambert. He said, "I need a new four gallon backpack. Flow Zone support sucks, so I'm avoiding them." Thoughts. Man, I've actually heard a lot of, you know, uh, talk about uh, backpacks for us here recently. Again, I don't have a preferred one. This would be up to the, these guys. You know, the only thing I can comment on is that I've talked, uh, you know, a fair amount of, of time to uh, Robert Palmer, Turf Therapy, about his Jayco and, uh, you know, the, the pacing system and some other things that I thought was actually really cool I'd never heard of before. And I was like, well, that's actually pretty mm -hmm. awesome. I've never heard of that. There's a lot of bells and whistles on these things that are just beyond what I, I kept up with, right? So anyway, I'm going to let y'all make a recommendation on this. <laughs> I, I don't have a strong one other than uh, they all have their failure points. Like, you're not, I don't think the perfect backpack sprayer exists out there. Um I've done a little bit with the the My Four Sons one. Seems fine. Uh, the Flow Zone, I thought, is a well-built piece of machinery. And any of the other electric ones, for the most part, that you're going to get are all built in China, and they're going to have failure points. So I just always plan, Ray, I just plan on buying a backpack about every 18 months, and that way I'm never disappointed. That was about uh, Ryan. my purchase re-interval. Ryan. Guess how long I've had my backpack. Amazon reorder. Oh, Lord have mercy. No. Sorry. Guess Ray, how long since I've had you my backpack. Since you were a sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. No, I've had it since 2006. <laughs> Jesus, Ray. And I've had that. That guy has been made to spray acreage. I'm not talking about me walking through acres of turf and just spot spraying individual weeds. No, I'm talking about laying down 50 gallons per acre all day long. 
Today I learned that and... Ray is going to get historical license plates on his sprayer here soon. But you know, the whole the whole thing is is that uh, you know I just have to kind of recuse myself when I hear talk about anything battery powered because I have not ever owned nor do I plan to own a battery powered backpack sprayer. I don't. We all make our choices. Uh, yeah. uh, not unless uh, that said backpack sprayer can operate at up to 500 PSI and three gallons per minute. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, here's the other thing is that you, you can legitimately get a, a really nice engine drive backpack. And if you take care of it and you know learn how to rebuild the pumps and, and all that fun stuff and use appropriate regulators and brass parts and stainless steel and uh, not off the shelf, <laughs> uh, you know, zinc plated, whatever, uh, then yeah. I mean, you can get some serious, serious lifetime about it. You'll probably never need to buy another you know, backpack unit ever again, <laughs> but that is a completely different animal than, you know, your Ryobi, you know, $90 battery backpack spray. Mm-hmm. Right? And it is, it For is wildly sure. different. That is a professional tool. Uh, that requires professional maintenance. It requires a professional skill set because if you blow a hose at 500 PSI, how do you handle it, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I've encountered that. I can't tell you how many times I know exactly what to do. You, in that example, may have no I- idea what to do and you panic. And then uh, before you know it, you just blew uh, you know, four gallons of uh, diluted material in you know, a square foot, right? And you're like, oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> now, now what happens, mm-hmm. right? And so- Again, you know, high risk, high reward, your the precision of your application goes up exponentially, but at the risk of uh, a, a failure in that example could be a catastrophic failure. I don't know if you've ever felt, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a, uh, a tight, a small diameter hose at 500 PSI. It doesn't exactly feel good either uh, at that velocity. So uh, it's, it's another thing, right, to take into, into consideration. It's not for everybody, and I won't be mad at you if, you if you do it. Whatever you do choose to get, if you use a paddle mixer to agitate your backpack instead of picking it up and shaking it, then I will make fun of you because you have sissy shoulders. Uh, so there's going to be a rule for everybody out here. Uh, if, you, if you mix your backpack, you pick up your backpack and shake it. Do not use a paddle mixer. Uh, uh, yes. That's, uh, that's Matt? Yes. yes. You know right. what? I don't, ha- I don't have to shake my backpack sprayer. I don't have to. Because you have 500 PSI agitation built into it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's damn right. Because you, you see, here's the thing is that, Matt, can you imagine me trying to pick up and shake about 90 pounds? Uh, today? Yeah, 100%. I can imagine you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Having said Two that. Two years ago, maybe not. <laughs> Actually, Matt, I used to have to pick it up and shake it. And at that time, I realized, hey, I'm getting too old, too goddamn old for this shit. So I plumbed in, you know, high pressure jet agitation so that I just turn a needle valve, divert all my liquid into the tank. And 
I can be throwing like DF or soluble fertilizer straight into the tank and it all mixes. There. <laughs> um, Eric Sand says he's about to embark on his first foray with PGR. He's been looking into growing degree days. Uh, I see that it's usually based on 50, uh, but sometimes 32. When does 32F apply as your base for growing degree days? Do you use that with PGR? All the time. Just, just, grass. Use base 30, just use base 32 and just stop yep. right there. Yep. Cool season grass. Yep. All summer long. There mm-hmm. you go. I, so with warm season, you use 50 base. With cool season, you use 32? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's the, that's the theory. However, make note that 32 refers to bent grass greens. And 50 uh-huh. refers to Bermuda greens. Uh, that's the exact work that Dr. Bill Kreuzer did. Those yeah, two so grasses not, it's, under it's not those exactly two circumstances. Apples apples. But if yeah. you learn, if, if you, whichever one you choose to learn at, you know, stick with it because, you know, that's going to mm. give you probably your most consistent results across it. Which <laughs> is understand there's probably going to be a little bit of a, a learning curve. To each of them, right? And I, and I think that's with PGRs in general. There's there's going to be a learning curve, right? A reapplication interval curve, mm-hmm. uh, a, a loading curve, right? Because sequential applications are going to have different amounts of suppression as you get further into the season. Uh, uh, Evie says uh, zero C for cool season, no Fahrenheit. Uh, yep. you, we, we, fa- yep. we found the Canadian in the group, eh, bud? Um, <laughs> Miggity said, curious if Ryan has an opinion on the Aaron Rodgers injury or more in general turfers, artificial turf. In oh, regards no. to player safety, man, it's a oh, getting a, controversial. Here. <laughs> I, so I, about abortion. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Dang, Ryan. Uh, I think that um, hmm, I have a lot of feelings on this. I think the easy take is that turf is more dangerous multiple peer-reviewed articles suggest the same thing i i think that okay that's the easy argument it's the easy thing everybody's writing about here's the crux of the the issue though is that okay we want to change these stadiums over to natural grass and it's a noble effort and yes they're doing it in europe and we don't necessarily have enough conclusive data there to support that those systems are going to be what's best you know it it moves things out of the way very very well and very efficiently however you know in a football setup as opposed to soccer setup is that going to be the best system and that's what we don't know right now so to just sit there and say oh we just need to do what europe does and everything like that so let's say that we could do that though okay and let's say that even at lower levels say college high school parks and rec whatever that you know there's this uh sea change towards natural grass here is a major problem with that that nobody is talking about or discussing is the fact that if we did if we made these changes and even if we made them on a scale of say i don't know let's say 25 percent of what's out there currently we might might be able to support those fields that change over from uh, synthetic turf to natural grass or stay natural grass but an improved setting right an improved level of care things like that might be able to support that with qualified help if we get much above that and this is just my general estimate right based on the fact that we've got you know roughly thirteen thousand some odd school districts in the united states we have about eight thousand 
uh, park systems uh, in the United States. If we extrapolate that out to have enough qualified sports field managers or turf managers to be able to do this, I don't know that they exist past that 25% mark. And that's the scary mm-hmm. part. That's the thing wow. is like, if we get to the point of, you know, we get to the summit of the mountain, we kind of cross over the other side. I'm just worried about what it looks like on the other side. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything about it or that we should just live in fear or anything like that. I think from a industry standpoint, if that's the direction we want to go, we've got a lot of work to do in terms of human capital, training, experience, figuring out best management practices, teaching and deploying those things that we're just not doing right now. So a lot of times you'll hear the argument that, well, if they would have taken that money that they would have spent, you know, the additional money they would have spent on turf and hired a qualified sports field manager, they'd be better off. I don't disagree with that. Question is, who are these people and where are they? That's the problem. So that's my take. That's my, on my second or third level take on that. Easy to talk about. Hey, turf's not safe. Aaron Rodgers is out for the year. But you know what, though? Here's the best part. Hey, Rodgers got paid, bitch. Doesn't matter if he got hurt. Yeah. So no doubt he did. <laughs> and, to his age. You know, I I saw Spin Martin talking about cleat design and uh, the changes that are made there, and you know the amount of uh, uh, you know dig that you get with cleats. You know whether whether you're in uh, natural grass or artificial. In in with with that particular injury, his cleat design. He may have been so locked in that there was no amount of forgiveness in either uh, a turf system that would have prevented that injury. Another food for thought, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. looking at it from a 30,000 foot view and, you know, who knows what, what the reality is in that, but it gives, you know, another interesting topic to take into consideration. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Omar said minimum height of cut needed for a tall fescue overseas this week. I'm down from four and a half to two and a half. Can't go much lower due to raised irrigation heads. I, I mean, if that's, oh, if that's, gosh. Uh, are you, are you get a shovel can get it down to I mean, <laughs> get a shovel. yeah if your irrigation heads are two and a half inches into the canopy like i would i would definitely seat those a little deeper uh, but you know overseeding into two and a half inch tall fescues there's no problem with that you can do that all day long i've i've, uh, I've done it with Matt, four and a half inch tall I fescue. Do un- i don't understand how and why heads end up high and that's because oh, yeah. oh those are the legacy irrigation heads that are like pop-up stem is four inches whereas uh-huh. do you know what i do you know what i expect for high cut grass six inch like my six inch yep i spec yeah. six yeah i mean because uh you know what was ridiculous to me because you know i have some dealings with this is imagine how well a four inch stick-up height works on well-kept saint augustine no bueno, right? Yeah, you're probably probably not going to be able to get a whole lot out of it. Exactly, and similarly with something like fescue, uh, I'd like I'd like to see a uh, a six inch height so that the head can clear the grass and distribute that water. <laughs> what do you think, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I think you have to maintain. If you're not willing to maintain your irrigation system, you don't need to maintain your lawn and i'm not trying to be an asshole i'm just saying like do the work lower those heads it'll be worth it in the long run and put and put in taller heads that stick up higher you know while you're at it (laughs) yeah yeah 
right. next one here is from uh, uh, Jersey Bill. I'm actually going to call him Nashville Bill from from now on because uh, he loves he loves to visit Nashville. <laughs> you ought to move there, <laughs> Bill. I'm telling you, you ought to move there. It's a good time. Uh, I know he's got to go to bed. Uh, but anyway, does Epsom salt really green up the lawn? Yes, it does. Uh, however, it's not something that I would just lackadaisically just start applying to your lawn, right? Um, continuing to pound your lawn with magnesium when you don't need it. Yes, magnesium sulfate will turn grass green. However, uh, <laughs> what is not, uh, what, what ends up being deposited into the, into the soil over, over a period of time can end up creating more problems than it's necessarily going to help, right? So you're trading a green pop of color that can be achieved with a lot of other things that are not going to give you the same downstream ramifications of uh, creating a situation where you have high magnesium levels in the soil, right? Uh, it is, uh, again, this is going to be anecdotal, but you know, N equals one, and I would say probably between the three of us, we probably might have N equals three. Uh, what what I would say is like high magnesium soil, you know, where you're getting up to, you know, 100, 200, especially 300 parts per million, it becomes incredibly difficult growing grass uh, in that, in that type of, uh, in that type of environment. So, uh, just my, my experience with, with it, I would avoid using, um, uh, magnesium sulfate unless you are ex experiencing a true magnesium deficiency. I only ask you because I seen a video of someone not happy with the color of their elite grass seed. Yeah. I, you know, ferrous ammonium sulfate is going to be, is going to be a, a much, a much kinder application in that ferrous ammonium mm -hmm. citrate would be another good one. Uh, you can do, uh, you could do ferrous ammonium sulfate, zinc sulfate with a, with a pinch of copper sulfate in it and make it real fun and, uh, maybe throw a little manganese sulfate in on top of it. Right. Any kind of micronutrient yep. mix that you, that you want to use. Uh, by all means, is going to give you the color response that you're looking for. And I'm, I'm actually going to tie this into another question from, uh, I'm going I'm to skip down here a little bit because I saw um, uh, a grass thief talk about this too. And he's talking about the different forms of chelations, right? Uh, sulfate, when I say sulfate, that is non-chelated, right? But then you're going to see like glucoheptanate, you're going to see uh, EDTA, EDDHA, all this, right? If you're, you know, I'm going to make this clear at whatever pH you're, you're talking about, you can still spray a sulfate, right? Because you're relying on foliar absorption. So, you know, make sure you're not using a flood jet nozzle out there at four gallons per thousand square feet and, you know, trying to immediately rinse it from the soil surface into the soil, right? You want to, you want a finer droplet. You want it to adhere to the leaf and you want it to sit there for a period of time and make its way in through leaf tissue rather than through the soil, right? Chelation is going to be good if you uh, are, are concerned about root uptake as well. You're going to sacrifice some, albeit small, but some foliar uptake with the advantage of getting some root uptake as well too, right? And then as you get into more powerful and powerful chelates, uh, you're going to uh, uh, sacrifice more, uh, more leaf uptake for even greater root uptake, right? And then, you know, and, and the advantage there is that you might get an additional seven days of color response. You might get an additional 10 days of color response. Um, because it's going to be a little slower to respond on the front end a little bit. And, uh, and due to the efficiency of the product, because more of it will end up making it into the plant, then you tend to get a little bit longer response out of it too, right? But if your concern is just a quick color pop because you're not happy with the color of your elite grass seed, then just pick a, a, a micronutrient off the shelf mix spray and go have at it. Have fun. It'll, it'll turn green. I promise. If it doesn't, then you've got a whole other issue that you need to be worried about. <laughs> 
But grabbing just Epsom salts off the shelf and applying that, never would I recommend that unless you showed me a soil Please test don't. that you had like 12 parts per million of magnesium in it or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank and Lawn said, thanks for all you guys do. Three questions. Best herbicide combo for Virginia buttonweed. Uh, best end of season mowing height. And are IGRs effective in turf? Berzoizipede in central Alabama. Uh, so for Virginia buttonweed and berzoizipede, I would, uh, I would choose a combination of, uh, metsulfuron methyl and Celsius, uh, would probably be my, my one, two punch there. Uh, and then best end of season mowing high. I, I mean, between those three turf types, I'm going to say an inch and are IGRs effective in turf. Yes, they can be depending on what you're trying to control. Uh, like with army worms. Yeah. I, outside of that, I don't. Maybe chinch bugs? I don't know. Ray, Ryan, have y'all ever fucked around with chinch and IGRs? And or like, I wouldn't think mole crickets no. would be that effective with an IGR. A gr- a grubs, I don't think would be effective with IGR. I don't know. Actually, uh, there used to be an IGR targeted against uh, various grubs. Oh no, kidding! I did not. And know that. that, yeah, and that was called the. Uh, that was a dull agrosciences product called Mach 3. Okay. And let's see, active ingredient was, I believe, something called halophenoside. And you know what the funny thing is? Yeah, halophenoside. Mm-hmm. And however, you know what the interesting thing was? That disappeared off the market as soon as chlorantranilipurl hit. Dow just pulled it. Dow pulled it, and we had excel. We had a celeprin in its place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. H- however, I heard that the one issue with this uh, halophenoside product was that because it was not very persistent in the soil, it was rather hit and miss compared to that. 900 day soil half life that you get from a celebrant. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. So I guess that's the trade off. And then I am also familiar with other IGRs that are normally marketed for structural pest control that will work on things like chinch bug and fall army work. It will work. But again, issue that you run into is short environmental persistence within the turf grass they don't last very long and that and that, that's a, a good point too is if you don't know what an igr is uh insect growth regulator is what is what we're talking about there so mm-hmm. anyway, that's what it is yeah uh, i again i don't have a ton of a ton of experience with it um i would think with something like uh with with army worm it makes sense to me uh cut worms sod sod web worms that kind of thing uh, but you start getting into subsurface yep. insects and you know like the traditional nylar off the shelf that you know used to see everywhere i just i don't think you're gonna see a whole lot of advocacy out of that uh jesse mm-hmm. b said i'm going to go full cut and kill with the regenerative perennial ryegrass, uh, also known as the <laughs> yellowest green grass I've ever seen, aside from centipede. Uh, I want to go with Kentucky bluegrass with some perennial ryegrass for faster fill-in. Can I spray out the perennial ryegrass once the Kentucky bluegrass is established? And if so, what can I use? Uh, a hope and a prayer Ooh. would be what you could use. Oh, yeah. You don't Again, do you know, 
Yeah, certainty, it, you know, used to have no. it on the label, and uh, it's just, you're going to end up killing your Kentucky bluegrass. Just let nature take its course. However, if you, however, if you go ahead. Okay. However, if uh, Jesse B, if you have bigger balls than I do, you could drop a quarter ounce per acre of NSN when you want to wipe out the the ryegrass. I don't over think the top the, of the KBG. <laughs> I don't think the cultivars of perennial ryegrass that they're going to have mixed in with Kentucky bluegrass. It's going to be something that's really new, hybridized, super elite, and I just I don't think a quarter ounce MSM is going to touch it. I think it'll it'll growth regulate it, and then it'll laugh at it, and then it'll it'll come back. Um, just because I have seen even you know like I, I remember back in the day. You know, this is like the progression mm-hmm. of, of transitioning out printing ryegrass, right? Like 20 years ago, uh, let's see, what, what year is it? 2023, not even that long ago, uh, 2013, 13 years ago, literally you could, you could go put down a pound and a half of urea on a, on a June day and, uh, your perennial ryegrass wouldn't come back. Uh, it would melt uh, out. Yeah, it would be beautiful. Um, uh, and just fade on out your Bermuda would green up and, and then you're good to go. Uh, 10 years ago, so starting about 2013, what you notice is that, uh, you know, you're spraying a half ounce of metsulfuron methyl and 80% of it is surviving all of a sudden. And you fertilize it with urea <laughs> and, uh, and it greened up in the middle of July. And you're like, what in the F just happened? Uh, that's weird. It's 102 degrees with 80% humidity and the perennial ryegrass is darker than the Bermuda grass. This is weird. Uh, and then all of a sudden you go from 10 ounces of monument to, I said, I said 10 ounces, uh, 10 grams of monument to 15 grams of monument in order to get it to transition. I remember spraying revolver <laughs> at the lowest label rate possible and it used to work and it doesn't do that anymore. You got to run the high rate of revolver to get it. to work. So these, these new hybridized versions of perennial ryegrass are so hardy and badass that, um, and, it, and uh, to be honest with you, Jesse, this is, this is me. You're not me. You make your own decisions. But me, I would just rather have just a badass perennial ryegrass lawn. And we know as long as it's not Berenberg, it's going to be badass, right? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean it. I'm sure Berenberg is working on some cultivars that are darker than they have been. But I will say is that, you know, it is a running joke that it comes in a yellow bag because that's the color of the grass you get. Um, and, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm sure through acquisitions and all the other stuff and in research, it'll, it'll be, it'll be corrected over a period of time. It's just not there yet from Berenberg. My, again, my experience is limited and it's limited to here where I'm at in the Southeast. So, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt, I could be just 100% full of shit. But again, my experience is my experience and equals one. It is what it is. Uh, Chaley said, going to lower my height of cut from three inches to one and a half, getting ready for winter. Question is, timing a fur for fall, winter, cool season, of course. He's in Canada. I don't, I don't even know. I mean, like, do they have snow cover starting in like a week? Jesus Christ, Matt. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> southern Ontario. It's not the position. James Bay or near the Arctic Circle. I don't know the difference between the two. Uh, okay. In well, fact, gonna, I'm going to do this. Let me, let me look up on a map here. Uh, Southern Ontario. I don't even know where Ontario is. Is that on the West Coast? 
offensive joke. Like right across, right across from Buffalo, basically. So it's, he is yeah. at a lower altitude than like uh, 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 Jacob altitude. is. Jihad Jacob. Latitude. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, latitude. So, uh, yeah, man. Did you hear that stutter? That was that was a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, guess last app October. Total shot in the dark there. That's the whole uh, sold at Kreuzer thing with late season end. Uh, you know that Halloween. In, what's that? Halloween. Uh, sort of. So the idea is is that as day lengths get shorter and the demand for water decreases, so like ET rates go down. And the plant needs less water because it's cooler. They're again longer or, or uh, shorter days, things like that. That um, pl- uh, nitrogen does not get into the plant as efficiently. So as you continue to apply more and more nitrogen later into the season, that you may not get the same amount of uptake. So, Jaylee, the easy way to do it is if you get yourself something that's like a fifty percent, thirty to fifty percent slow release, and put it down like right now through like maybe the end of the month. You could just do that one time at half a pound, maybe three quarters of a pound and be good and just ride it out. If you want to go with uh, an all mineral product like urea or ammonium sulfate, uh, you can probably go uh, maybe two times, finish up definitely by Halloween and no more than half a pound in each application. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Evie, I was stuttering because I had no idea what I was talking about. I was going to uh, I don't know. I don't know Dick all about Canada. As a matter of fact, the Six Sigma has a great question here. Uh, Ryan, how to prep a two-month-old bent green for his first winter in Minnesota? I'm going to go fucking... ahead and say glyphosate. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, so uh, definitely would be spraying for snow mold at least once, maybe twice, if you can hold out as long as possible. Um, if you can afford flutioxanil, I'd highly recommend it. It's solid mm. on snow mold. But take a look. Uh, University of Wisconsin at Madison, uh, Google uh, UW-Wisconsin-Madison fungicide trials. They have excellent work. By far the best snow mold trials in the country. And they'll have uh, very good efficacy data for years um, going back in time as far as what products might work a little bit better up in that area with that uh, challenging climate that you have. Um, to cover or not to cover, um, I think there's there's good and bad. Uh, obviously, from a snow cover standpoint, it's going to be under snow for an extended period of time. I don't know that the blankets are going to help you survive any better. In fact, they may exacerbate issues. The only thing that you're really worried about at this point, in my mind, would be ice, right? So uh, snow is okay. Snow X is an insulator, but ice actually chokes off oxygen, right? So even though the plants are dormant, they could suffer from what's called anoxia or lack of oxygen, and therefore they could die. So, um, you know, you'll see this manifest in different ways. In Minnesota, it's it's probably not going to happen, but further south, you may see uh, where snow is removed from green, specifically because when temperatures warm back up, that stuff melts, and if we get a flash freeze or something like that over top of it, that can create a layer of ice, and that layer of ice can build up as those freeze and thaw cycles or melt cycles. Uh, replicate themselves over and over and over again. So uh, if you want to do the cover, go for it. Uh, you can buy a pretty cheap one. I'm not sure. I don't remember your green being super huge. Can't imagine it's more than a like couple hundred bucks shipped to your door. And definitely getting on your A game with your um, uh, with your fungicide du jour or snowmobile control. 
Yeah, your anti-snow mold uh, treating it is uh, kind of key at that point. And yep, if you got the money, uh, medallion. And you know what, Ryan? I just uh, realized something. Medallion by itself comes out Time's to be up, about the same price as the old, you know, chlorothalonil, ipridione, and propiconazole tank mix. Enclave or all, just by enclave, yeah. Just by enclave, but then even then, by the time you figure out your your product rates, plutoxinol is the new generation of low rate product. So a Correct. little bit goes a long way. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I saw, and I'm just going to reiterate what uh, uh, Woody eight six five said here. He, uh, uh, Yes, Ugly Weeds, Texas. I'll get to your earlier question here, but just real quick, you said, uh, you know, what is an an antifreeze for lawn spray equipment? He said RV antifreeze. Yeah, that is, that's uh, propylene glycol, not ethylene glycol. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can use that. He said you can't spray it on your customer's lawns. You can dilute down a propylene glycol, and it's not going to cause damage. It's not ethylene glycol. It's not It's not toxic. Again, it is a synthetic alcohol, so you do want to dilute it down. You know, if you've got four gallons of propylene glycol and you think you're going to add a gallon of water to it and go spray it and not cause some discoloration, you're crazy. Uh, but if you've got a gallon recirculating in your pump and, uh, and then you add 100 gallons on top of it and then you dissolve, you know, 100 pounds of urea in your 100 gallons of water and go spray it, then you're, you're, you're not going to notice it. You'll be fine. You can make that application. But again, RV antifreeze is propylene glycol, not ethylene glycol. Um, the other thing you can do too is, uh, is go ahead and dissolve your fertilizer in it uh, because that is going to lower your freeze point of your water too, right? So uh, you get in at the end of the day and you know you're going to be spraying urea or ammonium sulfate the next day. You know, go ahead and, and dissolve it the night before. And that will lower the freeze point of your uh, of your your uh, solution as well too. So just something something to throw out there. Uh, Jay Remerson Jr. said, "Prostrate sir, a spurge. Give me your best solution. I'm at my wits end. I have tall fescue. Uh, what is what is KYBG? Is that, I guess that's Kentucky bluegrass, zoysia matrella, and japonica and centipede. Where in the it's, hell do you live? It's very slippery bluegrass. No, why, that no, why, is why does yeah, why such a wild mix of grasses? Because here's what I'm going to tell him straight off the bat. I suspect that everything except the centipede is going to tolerate triclopyr very well. And huh? my experience with triclopyr on Spurge is that you say 24 to 32 ounces of triclopyr ester per acre in the fall, and Spurge is smoked. End of story. However, my question is, is that I've never used triclopyr on centipede with the intention of saving centipede. I've only used it when I intended to, say, kill out centipede contamination from a zoysia lawn. So your mileage may vary on that one. There you go. Um, yeah, the only thing I was going to say is uh, maybe speed zone Southern may, may work across that right there. But even then, I mean, I don't know. That is a well, wild you know what, mix. And I would, zone... I would start killing the damn centipede out of it at minimum. 
because you know that Speed Zone Southern, here's my experience with Speed Zone Southern on Spurred. Yeah, it's Speed not Zone great. Southern, no, Speed Zone Southern by itself on Spurge is weak. Like normally, you oh, know, no. when I'm spraying Speed Zone Southern, I have a quarter of an ounce per acre of MSM added to it. it yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's just a shitty, it's a shitty yard. I'm not going to lie. And I mean, from a standpoint of trying to manage weeds, I'm sure it's beautiful in, in the way you maintain it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that you literally have. That's a, the the the, the the worst combination of combinations that you could possibly have <laughs> in my opinion in a single lawn um anyway of course you know what uh, how soon huh you know the, the the saving grace is that he's not trying to keep bermuda as well yeah, I, I, so what i would do is if he had bermuda and as i'd go ahead and kill everything else and let the bermuda and zoysia run wild then, then it was really easy to take care of right yeah that, that, um, that would be my answer too <laughs> Uh, Johnny Fescue said Southern Yellow Jacket nests super abundant in Nashville this fall. Does rainy summer increase their population? Knockdown spray is not effective. Fastest legal method to control their crackheads. What is the fastest control for them? This is a question Ooh. I do not know the answer to. Don't know okay. at all. I've got one. I've got one for him. Half percent permethrin EC plus non-ionic surfactant. Okay, that's that's how I normally uh, take down. Say that again. Half percent permethrin EC. And uh, um, are you doing a high volume application there? You know, three, four gallons, a thousand kind of sort of deal? Because they're they're going to be nesting in the the ground, right? It's through a high pressure sprayer. Okay. High pressure sprayer, high volume, and very important. Non-ionic surfactant. Yeah. Because here's the thing about stinging insects like yellow jackets and hornets. That non-ionic surfactant is very helpful for facilitating knockdown. Very helpful. However, permethrin is quick as it is, but anything to speed that up because when you aggravate them, sons of bitches, they're coming to get you. Yeah, they're they're not fooling. I mean, because uh, on the other hand, I got to tell you a horrible one. Do you know why I'm not a fan of those ready-to-use yellow jacket sprays in the aerosol cans? Do you know why I'm not a fan of those anymore? Because all of them, or most of them these days, are all water-based. Because back in the old days... The propellants. What... Yeah. Melt those wings used off. To be the, you know, what used to be the, uh, you know, wasp and yellow jacket spray was something called Black Flag. And Black yep. Flag probably worked the fastest. However, Black Flag is a formulation that I'm pretty sure is no longer legal. Uh, oh, it was fun while DDVP in oil. Um, the, yeah. uh, so uh, Jay Remerson actually clarified here. These are individual plots he has of those grass types. So there's, it's not, it's not a, a, a mixture of all those grass types. That makes more sense. He said he's tried truck up here, not had good results with it. I'm wondering, is it, is it, is it watered enough? Because if truck up here is not getting it, I'm, I'm wondering if it's uh, if it's like drought stress, 
You can always add fluoroxapyr to it as well, too, right? So tricopyr mm-hmm. fluoroxapyr on your uh, uh, tall fescue, Kentucky bluegrass, and, and zoysias. Uh, all of those will work. Um, again, this is one of those, you know, um, uh, uh, what, what, what is the word I'm thinking of? Um, uh, simazine and uh, metsulfuron methyl on your on your centipede uh, would it, even a half ounce of metsulfuron methyl per acre would be that'd be a pretty a pretty hellacious knockdown of it as well. Again, if it's drought stressed, and let me let me preach that if spurge is drought stressed, you are not going to kill it. I don't care what you spray on it; it is what it is. Uh, you, it, it has to be actively growing. And uh, so if you think you've you got a dried down plot and you can't get water to it or whatever the case may be, so be it, you're not going to kill it. Um, that being said, if trichopyr in and of itself isn't getting it, which to me, it would sound like it's too dry if, if that's not the case, or it's uh, under fertilized, um, then adding a little bit of fluoroxapyr to it would would increase that level of eff- efficacy. Uh, if you if you want to take it a step further, maybe even add fluoroxapyr and MCPA. I think there's a MCPA fluoroxapyr triclopyr mixture out there. Uh, Battleship three, I think that is, uh, from Helena. That's already a premix. And uh, they also that, call that one change up, I believe, isn't it? Isn't that change up? Change, as well? I think or is in, change up too is, is that that same type of a mix. And I got uh-huh. one more for him if he has herbicide efficacy issues. How do you all feel? about four ounces per gallon of AMS added to the spray solution. That works perfect too. (laughs) Because you remember how I'm fond of adding nitrogen to the herbicide when we're dealing with hard-to-kill weeds. I like to do that, either AMS or urea. Because what you want to do at that point is facilitate herbicide uptake. And nitrogen is one way to do it. Yep. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the trick that's not a trick that keeps on giving, so to speak. <laughs> I, if, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway. Tricking? Uh, Omar said, tricks? best herbicide to remove Dallas grass from tall fescue. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I would be doing the, uh, the one milliliter per gallon rate of Pylex. Uh, you can add yep. sulfentrazone as a kicker. If you are feeling really froggy, really froggy. Again, label rate for tall fescue of Fusilade in combination to it. Uh, or uh, mm-hmm. what, what is it? Uh, Ornamec over the top, I think is what, yep. what would be labeled for. Ornamec OTT, yep. <laughs> but I'm, again, uh, I'm just going to warn you there, you, you violate that label by even a little <laughs> bit and you can kiss your, your grass's ass goodbye instantly. It's goodbye. a good start on next year. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the uh, Aaron Rodgers Achilles tendon of applications. Well, or I've got another one for you. Wish those cleats were a little bit shorter, don't you? If this were just isolated patches of Dallas grass, you yeah. know what? I'd go full on soul stealer and just reseed those areas. If it's just isolated patches. Because Dallas grass is a son of a gun. It doesn't want to go away that easy. It doesn't. And uh, it's, not, it's not easy to kill. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, again, you can. If you can dig it out, though, if it's like two or three clumps, I'm telling you right now, you'll be happier digging it out. Just, you know, put, put a handful of sand back in it. Uh, question it from <laughs> the other dick stabbing. 
Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it's damn it, Stamagia again. A question from the other Dick Stamming. Yeah, probably get this question a lot, but I want to ask it again. What is the best way to control or illuminate now for the spring on a newly renovated and overseeded lawn? Uh, Ray Ray at Kentucky Bluegrass. Uh, I'm driving a truck delivering John Deere Kubota parts. That's why my questions look weird. I wish I could actually call. <laughs> he's he's using uh, voice voice text to say this. So, what is the best way to control or uh, illuminate now for the spring on a newly renovated overseeded lawn uh, with with Kentucky Bluegrass? So, I guess I guess what he's saying is uh, what's what's the best way to control illuminate illuminate or eliminate now illuminate. for the spring. Uh, on a newly overseeded lawn, Ray Ray at Kentucky Bluegrass. Ray Ray is sounds like um, uh, I don't know what that sounds like. I, I guess I guess to prepare to prepare from a weed control standpoint, we'll just I'll just take it this way: from a weed control and then a uh, uh, a fertility standpoint. Okay, from a weed control standpoint, it's it's newly overseeded. You know, let it let it go a little bit because between now and say like mid October is when you're going to get the primary germination of your winter weeds, right? Uh, so you know. Doing an application of uh, of a, a, a phenoxy herbicide blanket spray on October fifteenth, you're going to catch a lot of that. You don't have to worry about you know you know necessarily going down with like a uh, you know pre-emergent or something like that. But you know you'll be you'll you'll be good to go. Make make an applicable blanket spray there. You'll be all right. Uh, from the fertility standpoint, we've talked about on a new new renovation. Uh, I said two pounds. Demay said do two and a half pounds between between now and and the end of your growing season, um, and uh, and you know play it play it by feel and uh, and you'll you'll be good to go. I I promise you, uh, it's it's not as complex as it sounds. And during the grow in process, in my opinion, I especially on cool season grass, I don't get wigged out about a weed here and there during the grow in. I just don't. Typically, I let it get a little weedy. Let let come up what's going to come up. Even if I see it's just real small on the ground, go ahead, do its thing, and then I will do my fertilizer and weed control. Typically, in a singular application, where I'll go, you know, do an ounce and a half, a three way per thousand, and you know, uh, three quarters of a pound an end, for example. And it's you know, it's good to go. You're golden. I think I think we got it covered there. If I missed anything, <laughs> Stamin Stamin Gia, feel free to. Italian penis. <laughs> E-shot. Loving the Tahoma 31. Put it at the end of June. Starting to run and spread. Advice to move it faster outside the natural spread. Pull plugs and transplant. Power rake and spread. So, uh, spoils. Uh, 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 power rake and spread. No, None of the, don't do that. Uh, pull plugs and transplant. Yes. But y- here's the thing is that it's, it's, uh, it's September 14th. We are shy on daylight hours right now. So mm-hmm. the likelihood of you being able to crank this uh, spread rate up to 10 right now is low, really low. Uh, Ray said, don't do anything. I'm of don't that do anything. regard that I'd leave it alone for the time being. In next fact, summer. You know what you do? Go ahead. Yeah. Next summer, what you do is starting in the spring, that is when you start feeding it nitrogen as often as every two weeks just feed it feed it feed it and that's how you get it to spread uh right now 
what the deal is with Bermuda is that you are coming up on top onto winter dormancy, so it's probably a good idea to just take your foot off the pedal and let it go dormant and then take this up again next year. Yeah, this is uh, September already. Easy enough. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, okay, we've got uh, Taylor Arce here said, what are your thoughts on Renovate Plus for top dressing a home lawn, specifically after aeration? What is what is Renovate slash plus? No. I don't. Is this? What is Fertilizer. this? Oh. Earthworks. Oh, from Earthworks. A 101. <sighs> I mean, are you going to hurt anything by doing it? No. Are you going to gain think... anything by doing it? No. No. No, because. What, what, uh, what were you going to say, Demay? It, I think you just got to be careful be with fine if you want to do it. Well, why? Why would you say that? Just because all that stuff you're loading up in there, and I can see some, a homeowner that's maybe not thinking about the downstream here, but I mean, you load that thing up with 50 pounds, a thousand, like actually top dress it, you know, uh-huh. a little concerned about that. Yeah, downstream. you know, and at a at a one zero one or, you know, half. Uh, half quarter half right at uh at 50 pounds per thousand you know you're you're still talking about you know 20 25 pounds of and that's going to be going down so that's a lot right that's something to keep it again you know look at it. dry kelp meal green sand compost rock phosphate sulfate of potash of magnesia also known as sulpamag and calcium carbonate right like i again it's got it's got some zeolite in it okay fun is it in a home lawn setting on on you know native soil i just i wouldn't do it not personally uh if you much if if you if you wanted to play around on a manufactured green with eight inches of sand on top of a gravel bed with you know water diversion going on subsurface and stuff and you know, you're interested about, you know, trying to maximize and, you know, retaining water at a, at a certain depth or whatever, then sure, go for it. But, um, in, you know, in a home lawn setting, I just, in my opinion, that's silly is the word you know I'm what? looking for. You know what I'm thinking? Oh boy. Uh, just please Ray's don't. mad. Okay. Don't, don't. <laughs> I mean, because, uh, all of these earthworks, or otherwise high organic fertilizers, do you know what they do to you? And you know what I've seen them do? Imagine some stuff that you spread out, you put out, it lays dormant all winter, all spring, and then when you least need that nitrogen and phosphorus releasing in midsummer, when you're trying to let the grass uh Survive summer heat and drought instead of being, you know, prodded with nitrogen and, fer- and and phosphorus during the heat of summer, because that's what fertilizers and products like this do. They release during the hottest time of the year, and that's exactly when most people don't need it. So think hard about that. <laughs> think real hard nope. because uh, what's the uh, Earthworks is chicken manure right or something like that or 
Yep. Yeah, it's typically seen, based uh, around poultry manure. This has some zeolite, some other fun stuff in it. Okay, and zeolite is a wild card because you know what zeolite does? Adsorb. It adsorbs nutrients, and when it adsorbs those nutrients, then you have no damned idea when that zeolite is going to release. And there's different and grades much. of zeolite that are going to release mm -hmm. at different potentials at different adsorption rates and different zeta potentials. And it is a whole nother world that is a lot to, again, your, your risk reward ratio there is not in your favor to do it. Hey, Sean, love you too, sir. Um, Paul Smith said, <laughs> how do you feel about Axel Axelo Mix 5? It's, a, it's an EDTA micronutrient powder chelated mix i've sprayed i can't tell you how many pallets of it over I the love, years i like it i love uh, axolo yeah. yeah what was I, the uh I what was the it. other one there was axolo mix five and then they had a uh another one brexel um brexel i think i think mm -hmm. brexel was the other one i sprayed a shit ton too over the years um you know what, kendall you know, was you know the what one I, I used to spray too what was that you know what i you know what i get in my state huh. i get Something in Hawaii, uh, by a simplot called Miller Microplex, and that yeah, is the Miller's same. Another good one. Yeah, Miller is the same. All of the micronutrients from A to, A to Z, heavy EDTA chelation, heavy, and so that is like my go-to when I am dealing, for example, with trees and shrubs that are micronutrient deficient and i don't have time to try and figure out exactly what the deficiency is you know what that means matt mm. pound per acre of miller microplex as a spray send it <laughs> yep there there was uh you know they kindle isn't around anymore kindle was the first thing i ever sprayed with salicylic acid in it and i, I fell in love mm. with it actually because of that product I, I had a lot of fun playing around with the uh the different products of Helena, they they definitely have some some fun things. Elamax is another mm -hmm. good one that's fun to play with as well too. Uh, so always a big fan of of those. Uh, Ugly Weeds Texas said, "Will aerating my Bermuda in the shade? Will aerating help my Bermuda in the shade?" I'm just kidding, by the way. I thought you no. were serious when you said that. And I was going to say, no, it's it's not. Uh, Fifty percent of my fescue survived the Dallas Fort Worth heat. That is, I would say, probably pretty on par with uh, what I would expect of the new cultivars of fescue. 50% in, and uh, you know, for those that don't know, Dallas-Fort Worth is hot. It was hot, without a doubt. It's hot, it's humid. Those are tough growing conditions, uh, even from a soil condition standpoint. Um, really, really high calcium. Water quality there is garbage. Um, and, <laughs> and so, you know, 50% surviving in that scenario, not bad. I'm, I'd, I'd say that's pretty good. I have run into situations with some of the older uh, tall fescues uh, only making it 50% even here where I'm at in Knoxville, uh, especially in Memphis. We saw that, you know, really common to lose 50% in Memphis. Memphis is not quite as hot as Dallas, but it's still really, really, really hot, really high humidity. So it's pretty, pretty good in, in my, in my opinion. Uh, Ryan Dan said, earthworms are destroying my bocce ball court. Those jerks. I don't have any fixes for you there. Nothing, nothing that I talk about. Uh, nothing legal. Com yeah. Comfortable talking about freely. Nothing we will uh, John, see on air. <laughs> yeah, we can talk. We can talk in another another setting about that. 
Um, John P said, what would you guys run as a cool season we control program looking to get away from two, four D products completely if possible looking for two, two broadcast and one to two spot spray apps. Um, I, again, you know, we were talking Cyclopeer, about that battleship Cyclopeer, three, uh, Cyclopeer. Yep. <laughs> Cyclopeer, yep. MCPA, uh, those in their flavors are going to come in big handy, cool power, uh, horsepower are all going to be two, four D formulations. I think new far, new farm specializes in uh 24d free formulations they also have another one called tri power cool that power is cpa cool mecha prop and dicamba yeah. power zone yeah. actually you know out of the out of those that you mentioned i have some experience using both cool power and power zone mm -hmm. and both of them were just great they were fantastic products and in most cases i gotta tell you I don't miss traditional 240 amine based three way. I don't miss it. In fact, I don't even have any 240 three way in my inventory, and I haven't had the, it in a while. The <laughs> only thing, so I used to spray a lot of tri power at the end of season uh, because you know I'd exhausted mm. my my two broadcast apps right and. The only thing I didn't like about Tri-Power specifically is that it would typically leave behind, you know, onions and garlic um, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, making, making the switch over to something with the, with a Florox beer in there tended to have uh, better efficacy. I ended up learning um, or, you know, I'd end up splitting it up, maybe run Tri-Power like my second blanket spray application and then end of the year adding the 2,4-D back in, especially if I could get away with like a 2,4-D ester. But again, that would be in that situation and that situation alone. I don't know how many people are dealing with that in the South. I feel like that is, it is a major, major weed control issue that often goes overlooked. And, uh, until you pull up on a property and it's, uh, 20, 27,000 square feet and 25,000 square feet of it is wall to wall onions. And you're like, what in the world am I looking at? Of course. It's, it's, a, it's a sight to see. Uh, you know, for wild onion and wild garlic, that I think is more of a problem on fescue. Not so much on Bermuda or Zoysia. I saw and the reason in, why in not so Bermuda Zoysia However, in Memphis, Ray, I'm telling you, wall to wall. Wall to wall. And you know why it would you know why it would be a problem, Matt? Huh. Because those lawns never saw either Imazaquin or MSM. Because yep. both MSM or, or Imazaquin smokes garlic and onion. And that and was that it. was one of those <laughs> one of those things that I didn't play around with MSM until I uh, actually the was when I was in uh, Birmingham uh, spraying mm. centipede for the first time was when I first <laughs> started playing with with metsulfuron methyl and was like oh my god well where do the onions go they literally disappeared and uh, and that was like one of those big awakenings and I remember when we went back to Memphis it was like shit. We are going glyphosate and MSM <laughs> on all the Bermuda grass right now, and uh, f f the world. In the, and uh, and it was it was what, great. In, great in the winter months, the winter dormancy application. That's mm -hmm. when you ran that MSM and uh, glyphosate, and you know what? That makes sense because then, you know what that does? That provides residual for, uh, what's that stuff called? Uh, bittercress. And burnweed, it provides the residual because MSM yeah. is very residual. You know, a little bit goes a long way. However, 
Uh, this is for all of the listeners. Watch out for the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're thinking about using MSM, please. Yeah, if you, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go out there with an ounce per acre. You know, uh, if you got a half ounce per acre in the tank and you start double lapping places, like you go out and you're you've got enough tank mix to treat. 50,000 square feet and you finish 25,000 square feet and your tank's empty, be oh nervous. God. Just going to say, be, be nervous. You, you, be your, your precision has to be on effing point if you're going to do that or <laughs> you're going to end up causing a lot of problems. Uh, B Butcher mm -hmm. said, Florida week, go balls. You're exactly right. Go effing balls. After the Austin P game, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous, but we're at the swamp <laughs> and Florida. by all means, I, you're not good. We're Florida at the swamp, dude. You know, you do know where UT, right? Everybody has their record-setting game against the balls. Uh, that is that is the way God intended it to be, and uh, and so we're we're going to have to be on our A game because we bring out everybody's A game. It's 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 hype time when we come to town, baby. You know how it is. Feels like '98. Uh, Dan the Long Man, get well soon. Uh, I yeah. genuinely mean mm -hmm. that. Seriously, take care yeah. of yourself, dude. Uh, I do not. I do not want to hear. Any bad news coming from you? I only want to hear reports that you are getting better. That's good. Indeed. Take care of yourself. Rest by all means. Good Lord. Uh, if I have to come down there and put you in a uh, in a chokehold uh, to get you to rest, Dan, don't worry. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big boy. I'll come I'll come tangle with you. I will tangle with you, <laughs> and then we'll tango. Uh, and then and then I don't know. Maybe maybe we eat some Cuban food or something, and drink a bunch of, of Cuban booze as well too. Uh, David Clausen said, what's the ideal mix to stunt Poa Triv Annua mixed with turf type tall fescue, not overseen? Can a new be mixed with prodiamine? We'll be applying 111 in addition. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, you can. No. It's not going to do anything to Poa Triv. It's not going to touch Poa Triv. Um, a, new, a new will, you know, regulate it to holy shit, but. It'll regulate the heck out of it, and you know if somebody has only you're gonna kill it though. Poor triv, no poor annual issue issue, and they're willing to, uh, how shall I say, rob a bank. Then the third way is with that exonerate herbicide. However, even number exonerate. one, that is is expensive, and talk about. Some iffy stuff to use because uh, the thing about exonerate is that warm season grasses tolerate exonerate very well, but then cool season grasses, the margin of safety is much lower. You got to be super careful with it. Yeah, uh, it just, fun fact. Yeah. I watched um, some. Uh, I watched some guys. Um, Spray amicarbazone uh, is on rate when it first came out on some uh, bent grass greens. I believe the course was dead mm -hmm. horse here in Knoxville. And believe it or not, it was actually the guy who poked me in. Uh, uh, we about got into a fight at the uh, at the at the fifty yard line of the high school. He did not poke me. It was another guy that did that. But we about got into a fight at the fifty yard line at a at a local high school football field because I had sprayed. I'm getting a phone call from a private number at 10:30 at night. I can only imagine who this is. I'm tempted to answer it and hold it up to the microphone, but I'm not going to. Um, you anyway, are a fucking they, pussy. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've got a a big uh, a big feeling that's what it is. 
And uh, anyway, it it they ended up killing the bent grass green with it. And Helena actually was the one at the Oops. time who 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 the rep was, and they had to come in and uh, and make that repair. And it was a big big deal. Superintendent got in trouble. Uh, you know, the sales rep got in trouble. It was, it was <laughs> anyway, just be careful. It is it is a thing. Uh, let's see. Oh, Lord have mercy. We have Brent said, how long does dialogues last figure? We'd put that out this time of year. Uh, not long. Uh, w- w- there, there is no residual on dialogues. It's, it's, it's contact and done. Am I right? 14 days and it's out. 14 days. 14 days. It's, it's, I think it's even less than that. Just in, in practice, I think it's less than that. I think you're probably closer to like, Five to seven. It depends on rainfall. It depends on irrigation. So, yeah, not hanging out very long. Yep. Uh, there it is. We are uh, moving to the end of this. Uh, so, fun fact, and I, I didn't want to talk about it until I got closer to the end, but uh, I'm about to the end of it. I do the private numbers calling again. Oh. Pizza. Uh, hang on. Let me do this. Let me do this. That, that, uh, hello, 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 hello. Mm. Oh, they hung up. Interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll call back. I think they just wanted to hear my voice. It's sultry, right? I have a sultry voice. Ah. Um. <laughs> but here's here's some here's some fun stuff. Uh, with, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, I have, I have, uh, uh, we, we have all been on a fitness journey and, uh, my, my fitness journey, this is, no one is asking me to do this. I'm doing this purely out of fun because I've had a lot of fun working with a, uh, with a training program instead of trying to figure it out as I go. Uh, and because I was getting into a situation where I was afraid I was going to get hurt. And so I was like, you know what? Let me let me get uh, let me become a member of community with people who take a science based approach to figuring out how to do this and not get hurt as I continue on with my goals. If you want to check it out, uh, it's free to join this discord. It is called Gain Trust. Uh, hop, hop in there, ask around, ask questions. Uh, if you want like individual coaching and that kind of stuff like we do, you know, there's there's a paid version, but it's free to join. And uh, and, you know, as I. As I continue on, I think it's I think it's something cool, and I want to encourage as many dudes out there at our age. You know, I'm I just turned 37. Uh, Ryan is is 40. Ray is uh, is 500, and, uh, and you know it's it at, at our age. In my opinion, I think that this the the second half of your life, you know, putting putting the priority on that to make sure that you get to do the things with your family, with your kids. Uh, for as long as possible and have is, is spend as much quality time, right? You know, quantity is one thing, but quality is really what it's all about. And, uh, you know, if you are in better condition, I'm not saying you have to get all ripped up and down to 10% body fat and all the crazy shit that I do, right? That's, uh, that's, that's a me thing because I'm a psychopath and, uh, you know, well, maybe not psychopath. I'm a weirdo. How about that? I'm, this guy's I'm a, a fucking weirdo. weirdo. Nailed it. <laughs> Uh, I'm also what? What is the other one? I am. You are a. You what, are what a it? fucking pussy. Yes, I am what I eat. So you know that's what I do. So anyway, if you want to check it out, gain trust, and uh, you know look look good for your old lady. Maybe she will want you to eat to be what you are, what you eat, and uh, and you know mow down that box. I where? <laughs> 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 oh, 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 
Game, Game Trust, uh, they're not sponsoring anything. It's just I'm I'm doing it to be cool because I want to encourage everybody out there to undergo their their own own journey and uh, and be around longer for their parents, be around longer, be around longer as parents, to your kids, to your spouse, to your friends, and uh, and and get as much out of the quality of life as you possibly can. Uh, that being said, we are going to go hang out on the after show. If you would like to check that out, patreon.com forward slash burn and return. And, uh, it is, it is, uh, an, an adventure over there. Um, it is grown, uh, adults that talk like grown adults. And we take a look at things from a scientific perspective and also from a humor perspective, right? Our, our, our goal at the end of the day is to make sure we teach you something and make you laugh simultaneously. So that is what we strive to do. That being said, um, you got to remember the industry that we all came up in. We came up in the turfgrass industry where it was, um, it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different club, right? And we're, we're rough around the edges. We talk funny. And, uh, and by funny, I mean it's, it's typically crass and rude and, uh, and, a, and a lot of hyperbole and bad words. And if you're into that kind of thing, by all means, check it out. If you're not into that kind of thing, no harm, no foul. We are not going to be mad at you. I promise. But if you're of the means for the cost of, well, half the price of an airport beer, you can check it out. Patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Uh, that being said, any closing remark from y'all boys? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Do y'all hear that? You hear that? We might have, we might have a beacon of uh, high wisdom here. Uh, hello? Oh, I guess, I guess we're, oh. we're. The brain is too smooth to come up with the words necessary to uh, speak once answered upon. Oh, how unfortunate. Maybe we'll catch them in the after show and see what they have to share. Another reason to join, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash burn and return. All right, everybody, we are going to GTFO. Bye. You are a fucking pussy. Uh-huh. <laughs>